Also, I like to call this uh, issue the circle jerk of sadness. <laughs> Hello there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast. My name is Andy. Along with me are Kelsey and Ryan, my two wonderful co-hosts. And this week we've got a large amount of comic book news. So we have uh, a whole bunch of casting. We have casting for actually both main comic universes. We've got someone from Marvel, someone from DC. We also have uh, some casting rumors for AMC's upcoming Preacher show. Uh, a brand new lineup for Marvel's flagship superhero team. Uh, and we've got a whole slate of comics to talk about. Uh, everything from uh, a Sith Lord to kids exploring the basement of a creepy mansion. So, you know, if that sounds like a good time, we're happy to have you. Guys, how are you guys doing today? Good. It's <laughs> quiet, that was apparently. The, yep. <laughs> Absolutely. I was waiting for him to go. He was waiting for me to go. Like, the downside of doing this via Skype is that we can't tell when somebody else is about to speak. So Yeah, it loses, it loses some of that. Uh, ease of being able to like look at someone and give them like body language and be like okay you talking to yeah uh, without social cues I don't know how to human correctly so I <laughs> just don't say anything but yes hi we are doing well <laughs> yeah we uh, you know we're, we're all doing good out here but uh, we've got a whole bunch of brand new good news for everybody out there and uh, the first is that AMC's preacher which is uh, being executive produced by uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, has finally found its uh, 100-year-old vampire. And that's because they have cast Joseph Gilgan as uh, um, the Irish vampire himself, Cassidy. And while we still haven't had the total confirmation, apparently, about Dominic Cooper, I'm just assuming that that's the truth, right? You know? (laughs) Yeah, let's just let's just wishful thinking that into existence. Let's put it on our vision boards. Vision boards. All right. Yeah, <laughs> we're we gonna secret this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm just but, gonna write it in my diary every night until it becomes true. That's as good as a vision board. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's basically the old school vision board without someone making money off of selling you a book to tell you to do it. But it's a vision uh, board that won't stop your wedding before it starts. That's so good. Uh, But uh, if anyone has read the Preacher comic, Cassidy is basically the wild card, I guess. (laughs) Right? That's kind of true. He's like 100-year-old Charlie Day to some degree. Uh, I guess he's more eloquent. That's exactly what I thought of when you said wild card, too. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, um, so the thing is, is that Joseph Gilgan hasn't really been in much uh, when it comes to stuff available here in uh, the U.S., I guess his most recent project was This Is England, in which it's like a uh, period piece. I think it's like Victorian-era England. So that's a far cry from playing Cassidy, but he certainly looks kind of like a scummy vampire. So, Well, he was on Misfits, and his character on there lines up pretty well yeah, with, uh, true too. Uh, He's a with Cassidy. <laughs> which also, um, we didn't get to talk about it last week, but they cast uh, Tulip as well. Yes, uh, Ruth and it's uh, Nega. Uh, Ruth Nega, who's also uh, or was also on Misfits. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, <laughs> yeah. So actually, I mean, you know, that's that's another thing. Like, so now we've got two of the three. We've got Tulip Cassidy. Uh, as we said, we're all just like keeping our fingers crossed for Dominic Cooper as Jesse. But um, they even cast Arseface. Yeah, uh, Eugene Root is going to be playing, or not Eugene Root, sorry, Eugene Root is the character, it's uh, Ian Coletti who will be playing 
our space in the uh, AMC series. So this is like pretty uh, quickly picking up steam. I mean, I know we talked about the casting of some of these comic thing, uh, comic properties getting like really, really big names. This one has not really uh, pulled any enormous names, but the cast looks good, at least just on like appearance and, you know, some of their resume. So if they, yeah, if they end up pulling Dominic Uber, he'll definitely be the biggest name attached to it other than the producers, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. I, it will be nice to have a more, I feel like it will, it will be nice to have a more adult, I guess, comic book show i don't even count the walking dead i don't give a shit but um, <laughs> and I, thousands of nerds just rage <laughs> for not knowing why what? whatever they should just deal with it like hey, you know next um, week there's I've the walking been, dead season finale and then you won't have to hear about it for a while right that's how that works no then uh, i just go on facebook and everyone's like oh i miss walking dead when's it coming back and, uh, just watch something else I mean, I've been keeping up on Powers, and I actually really like it so far, and I definitely feel like Preacher will be more in that vein of being, uh, you know, just a more adult-oriented uh, comic book. I mean, a comic book show, and it has to be. Preacher is incredibly deep and dark um, content, uh, so it, it really, I think, has to embrace that if it wants to succeed. Yeah, Preacher is definitely a bit more grim, <laughs> When it comes to its choice of setting and everything else, yeah, and some it's of a the little, topics they cover gets a little fucked up. <laughs> that is for sure. Oh my gosh, guys! Did you know that Ruth Nega is also attached to the Warcraft movie coming up in 2016? I haven't thought about the Warcraft movie because I don't want to jinx it and make it terrible. So <laughs> I'm just beyond all shadow of hope. I just want it to be. That thing's still real. coming out. Yes. They've been Why? saying it for like 15 years, and it's finally happening. Because <laughs> there's probably nope. like because there's probably a large percentage of like the Earth that has at one point or another played World of Warcraft or been exposed to the Warcraft universe, and so like I feel like it's just an inevitable thing that they're gonna make a movie eventually. We're not all required thing, to watch it though. <laughs> the best thing that movie has going for it is that Duncan Jones is directing it. Yeah, that's not bad. And uh, not only is he David Bowie's son, which rules, uh, but he also directed Moon, which was fantastic. Ooh, yeah. And probably, uh, what's his name, Sam Worthington, right? right? Sam Worthington's attached oh. to that movie? Oh, well, not. No, but isn't him. he in Moon? <laughs> oh, no, dude, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell, yeah, that's Sam Rockwell's oh, best movie yeah. by far. Don't no. mix those up. Yeah, sorry, I'm just, I'm like terrible. They're both named Sam, and they're both like, you know, kind of like muted white guys in Hollywood. They all blend together after a while. I'm sorry, all right? Okay, Sam Rockwell is a, like, dancing, wonderful genius, and Sam Worthington was in Clash of the Titans. There you go, exactly. I'm not saying that they're equivalent. I'm just saying that I got their names mixed up, okay? <laughs> uh, oh. Listen to how frustrated Ryan got. Like, I, like, insulted his, like, fiance or something. Jeez. Uh, you might as well have. I know, I know. You, you have some strong feelings about uh, Sam Rockwell. My bad. My He's bad, fantastic. He's is, a treasure. I love that this is like Andy getting his for like insulting Ryan because I did the same thing with Chris Pine before. <laughs> Ryan's got some really strong feelings about uh, Hollywood's leading men. Like, who's yeah. known? What's happening is that you and I just happen to be on alternating um, fuck off Ryan schedules. <laughs> Otherwise, it would just be too much. We couldn't double team him. It just yeah. wouldn't be fair. Yeah. Nobody likes an unexpected double team. That's not good. Mm -mm. It's not the a surprise double team. 
just looked at the cast list of World of Warcraft. Oh, by the way, another tangent from G1G. What a surprise. Um, like, what the fuck is going on in this cast? Dominic Cooper, Ben Foster, uh, Clancy Brown, uh, Daniel Cudmore, who is the guy who played Colossus. Like, yep. what what is happening? I don't understand what this movie is. Well, I think it's just kind of like there's so many goddamn roles for a Warcraft movie that they could just cast whoever. And Can I'm we... sure there's a ton of movie, a ton of money behind all of this. So, the only one that matters is Paula Patton because she plays the best character in the entire franchise, which is Grona Hellscream, who is the half orc. <laughs> <laughs> have alliance rogue and i love her more than anything i'm, I'm excited that uh daniel Wu got cast as guldon the uh orc oh, yeah. so that's good news for all you I'm, this movie has a hundred million dollar budget yep yes oh, can we God. just hold on i just want to take a time out for a second because if they don't like make this at least some sort of like movie where you can choose either side i'm gonna be really upset like if it has like a very like heavy lean towards the alliance i'm gonna be so fucking mad of course it is it's gonna be the heavy lean towards the white dudes no 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 like we don't know that for sure yet like the only poster we've seen has been like an alliance one but they could have like a horde one i don't know i'm just really upset because the only people who play alliance are like whiny fuck boys and then like 12 year old girls so i really just want or grown-ass men trolling alliance people would be on the other yes. side of that. Uh, but yes, um, the Warcraft movie will be an interesting exercise in movie making because who the fuck knows where the hell they're going to go with that universe. Uh, but Do you luckily, know it's already ended filming? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like completely like, filmed. Yeah, they had to spend like the last like 17 years working on the graphics they, probably. They said it's a 20-month post-production schedule. Yeah, I believe that's it. That's almost two years. That's a lot of green screen. <laughs> it's oh, all the green screen. Also, I so I when can't. you watch that movie, folks, remember, there's 60 frames in every, or probably cinematic, so it's probably 29 frames in every second of that film. So, yeah, appreciate the people who handle that technical shit, because that's fucking <laughs> insane. Uh. I also, I don't see anybody cast as Thrall, which upsets me a little bit, so... We're not going to talk about it, but they have a Duratan who's like a 90-pound white boy, so we'll see. <laughs> CGI, everybody. I don't know the words coming out of your mouth right now. So. <laughs> well, getting back to things that Ryan does know about, uh, we <laughs> just got our very first look from Entertainment Weekly this week uh, at Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor in uh, Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. Uh, they posted like two or three big like splash images of bald grim-looking Jesse Eisenberg. I know a lot of people were kind of lukewarm on this casting. Uh, I've really enjoyed a lot of Jesse Eisenberg's catalog, and uh, Lex Luthor is definitely not awkward, meek, talks little nerd, so it'll be coming out of a different role for him, right? I'm still weird about um, this. I'm, I, I don't know, like... In a lot of ways, Lex Luthor is kind of just Mark Zuckerberg. Like, <laughs> I mean, let's face it. He's just like a really smart, old, frigid bitch. I mean, he's he's probably like, he's probably like more like more bald. egotistical. More bald. Like, I don't know. Like, I, think I don't he's... know, dude. Mark Zuckerberg's pretty egotistical. I'm pretty sure that dude's ego is probably as big as Kanye's. He's just not like as whoa, fucking whoa, whoa, whoa. about it. Nobody's ego is as big as Kanye's, man. Come on. I don't on. know, man. I don't know. Like, 
Kanye's is next level, but Zuckerberg created his own social... Ne- he created social networking, basically, just so he could, like, get himself on top. I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. I mean, I, I the image doesn't do much for me, because I'm like, cool, I, I fucking... I imagined that, like, six months ago when you cast the role. That's... I did. I made that image in my head. Thanks. Yeah. What I love about it is they're like, first look at what the does Lex Luthor. You literally just shaved his head. He looks exactly the same. So I don't know what the. He's difference. not even wearing a fucking suit. Yeah, Put him in like a, a suit. Turtleneck or something. <laughs> it looks like he's wearing like he looks like he's wearing like, like prison garb. Like he's wearing like. Yeah, it know. does look like prison garb. That's so. so stupid. I don't. I don't know, dude. It just. Like you said, Andy, like, it's just, like, weird casting to me in the sense that, like, it's just very against, like, the typecast that he's kind of been thrown into time and time again. It feels like they're casting, like, Michael Sarah to do it. (laughs) Which, to be fair, would be a better movie. I would see that one for sure. (laughs) (laughs) God, Jesse Eisenberg and Michael Sarah probably, they hate, I'm sure, the comparison between the two of them. Uh, Oh, Michael Sarah super fucking hate. Or, I mean, uh, Jesse Eisenberg (laughs) super hates it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't doubt it. Um, but you Stop know, playing such whiny little shit babies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think typecasting is kind of to blame for some of that, and just Hollywood being lazy. But I think I did like him as Zuckerberg in The Social Network. Like, I thought that was a great film. So, I, I think there's definitely some room for him to show us something that's totally different. And I would love to see him like really, you know, show up as a great Luther, like. I liked Kevin Spacey as Luther in the bad fucking recent Superman <laughs> movies. Like those movies were bad, but I don't know. Kevin Spacey was good, you know? So uh, there's definitely like the I other mean, way around. I don't know. There's the more like mainstream um, Eisenberg. A lot of people relate him to like Zombieland um, and even like Adventureland and then Social Network. But he's done a lot of dramatic roles and it's a very different like his he plays the part very differently. Um, he was in the education of Charlie Banks, which was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the Squid and the Whale with Jeff Daniel, which was fantastic. And then more recently, he was in Night Moves and The Double, um, both of which were like very heavy dramatic roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm definitely like comp, like I'm way way more confident of him ha- handling a dramatic role than I ever would be Michael Sarah. Um, because I've seen Michael Sarah in dramatic roles, and it's fucking terrible. I watched some. <laughs> I watched some piece of shit like horror movie called Magic Magic, where he played like this creepy Spanish guy, and it was the worst thing I've ever seen. But like Eisenberg as Luther, there like there's casting in that movie that I'm more worried about than Eisenberg. Eisenberg as Luther. <laughs> Eisenberg. It's just Eisenberg. Just a, <laughs> it's his. It's robot his robot. Help. Yeah. <laughs> resistance is futile oh, i mean let's face it like honestly I'm, I'm a little more concerned about bat flat yeah but he was the bomb in phantoms yo like come on <laughs> That's i the love best that app, like don't get me wrong but i just don't know oh man yeah I, I, you know like you said i think there's a lot going on in this in this dawn of justice film so we'll have to We'll have to wait and see exactly how it all comes around. Uh, We do, however, have some more casting for the uh, Marvel Universe this time, as X-Men Apocalypse has finally found their own Jubilation Lee, as they will have uh, Lana Condor, who will be uh, coming on to play Jubilee in the uh, X-Men Apocalypse film. Now, this is like, it's starting to get to the point where I don't know how big all of these roles are, for this X-Men Apocalypse film. Like, I don't know if Jubilee is going to be a huge part of it or if it's 
going to be like a be, more it's ensemble probably gonna be cast. like with Days of Future Past where it's like, oh, Warpath got his own fucking poster and he was in the movie for six minutes. He was good in the movie, though. I liked Warpath in the movie, the little bit that he was there. It was just... Oh, I liked... Those were some of the best parts. I mean, I love that movie as a whole, but when, like, the future X-Men were fighting the Sentinels and shit, that was was some of the best parts of... Those were some of the best parts of that movie. Mm -hmm. Blink was fucking awesome. Yeah. It was so good to Um, see that movie, like, give some of the, like, smaller characters a bit more of, like, a bit more shine and stuff. So hopefully, I mean, hey, hopefully that means that they'll do the same for Jubilee... Colossus still went out like a bitch in that movie, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Colossus is like, yeah, Colossus is, is going to be in the movie more. Like, and then I was like, oh, he died again. Oh, cool. All right, you're dead. Um, I have just like no, I just give no fucks about Jubilee. I really hate characters like, oh, my real name is Jubilation. Little name is Jubilee. What up? I'm like, oh, cool. That's creative. Um, not incredibly lazy. She's basically like. I'm Asian Dazzler. <laughs> I feel like we've had this exact same conversation before. Yeah, I mean, like, technically, Dazzler and Jubilee are super different because Dazzler, rep- like, manipulates, like, sound and light, and Jubilee, like, creates explosive, like... Energy. Yeah, I think fingers. it's, like, plasma or something, but, yeah. I don't remember. I mean, it- it all depends on like the writer of course jubilee can be cool when she's written well i think turning her into a vampire in the comic book universe was super dumb um (laughs) also i'm super biased by her incredibly annoying character from the x-men 92 cartoon yep (laughs) that's literally all i was talking to andy about before this uh, before we started recording because i like lana condor like she hasn't been in anything yet but she's super adorable and so i back that but I don't know. I just fucking hate Jubilee, like, on her own. So we'll see how that actually works out. But, like, I don't know what she's going to be doing in Apocalypse. Because, like, in the storyline that I remember anyways, because it was, like, what, like, 20 years ago now or something? Oh, my God. God. Uh, We're so old. Um, (laughs) We're so fucking old. Uh, Anyways, in the comic arc, I want to say it was, like, the mid-90s-ish. I don't remember. But um, I think she was with gambit and the externals right like yeah i think her her involvement in the apocalypse saga at least in my remembering it was not big yeah she was just not i mean i think she had a part in like when they finally take on like the four horsemen and she like talks down like she might have like talked down wolverine when he was death or whatever but i don't know well like i know that they go to the shiar empire and they fight uh, I don't remember who. Probably the Imperial Guard or something. But, like, I don't exactly remember what happens. There's something else about the Emkron Crystal, which is always just a hot-ass mess. But, like, her part wasn't big, so maybe it will just be, like, a small thing. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I don't... From what I know, they haven't announced that they're going to have Gambit in it at all. So that wouldn't make any sense to me to have her play a I thought they did Channing Tatum, right? I think he's being in the solo Gambit. I don't know if he's going to be in this one, is he? Yeah, I don't think he's attached to this film as of yet. By the way, I just looked it up. Do you know one of Jubilee's innate abilities is she can avoid detection from telepaths? Is she what? fucking random. She can avoid detection from telepaths. Hmm, that sounds like it was retconned in. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. much of X-Men. <laughs> Good call from Kells. Uh, and telepaths don't notice me. Uh, good, good call from Kells. During Age of Apocalypse, Jubilee was persuaded by Gambit to join his externals and fight for freedom. Uh, and then she did end up going off to the Shi'ar Galaxy to protect the Emkron crystal. 
She took it back. Lilia Cheney and her eventually got back, fought the Imperial Guard. and Did you say Lilia? Uh, Lilia Cheney, yes. Lila Cheney. Lila Cheney, sorry. <laughs> too many I's and L's for me. Uh, you guys correct me about everything DC. X-Men is like the only thing I have. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, right? No, but I mean, hey, you were right. They got the M-Cron shard and the Cron crystal, and they basically ended up coming back, and then she joined the rest of the X-Men for the battle against Apocalypse. So, yeah, we could see maybe some of that, like her and... Uh, like doing some kind of like stealthy stuff. Like I can I, I can remember throughout the comics getting some more of those kind of elements from Jubilee where she's kind of like ends up on her own, uh, kind of I guess in the same way that Kitty Pride was in Aww. the past. Um, and kind of yeah, has to like kind of awesome. handle for herself. Yeah. yeah, but Kitty is a much better character than Jubilee, that's for sure. Wolverine yeah. taught her ninjutsu, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, as of now, Channing Tatum is rumored but not confirmed for X Men Apocalypse. Interesting. But so is Hugh Jackman, which I think is odd. Huh. Uh... Maybe as like a as like a cameo. Like I thought he was. Done I with thought he was Wolverine not be in that movie. I mean, we I know we also said that Jennifer uh, Jennifer Lawrence confirmed earlier in the week that she's not going to be in anything after uh, Apocalypse. Like that'll be her the... last film as um, Mystique. So well, it makes sense though because she was. Oh, no, it doesn't. Just kidding. I was going to be like, well, she was in the timeline with old man Xavier and stuff, but she wasn't. I'm just mixing that up in my brain. So, never mind. But yeah, I love Jennifer Lawrence's mystique. I want her to stay. Yeah. I love Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, period. Yeah. It's a full stop. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that opinion. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, we'll, we'll definitely have to wait and see. Uh, you know, like Kels, like you said, this X-Men movie could be... A hot mess, maybe. It's honestly probably just going to be exactly how this last one was, where it has a super, like, solid arc that's been, like, very well known for, like, years and years and years, and then they're going to do exactly, like, nothing that happens to it. Because in this last one, like, the entire thing was supposed to be, um... Oh, my God, I can't remember anything. Days of Future Past? No, what is, uh, the actress from Juno? Oh, my God. Oh, uh... Um... Oh, my God. Page. Yes, yes, thank you. Oh my god. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so they had her doing the crazy like brain meldy thing with Logan when it should have been Hope Summers, but they just didn't want to introduce Hope Summers because that's also a hot mess. Mm-hmm. So like they just Wait, changed... Hope? Not Hope. Yeah. You mean Rachel, or Rachel Summers. Rachel to... Summers. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So there's so many Summers family members. <laughs> <laughs> too many. We were just talking about this. We were. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll see some more from Hope from some Summers family members later in this cast when we talk about uh, Uncanny Thirty Two. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you know, just like I think we've seen with, I guess, like the most notable adaptation I can think of is Game of Thrones, where they've taken some of the extra like uh, tertiary pieces of the books and kind of trimmed them off to create a bit of a more streamlined story. I think we'll probably see the same thing. You know, if it if the movie is as good as Days of Future Past, then we probably don't have anything to worry about. It'll probably be fine. It's but, in Brian Singer's hands. I'm sure we'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, he's the, we'll, what? He's the man, Brian Singer. He's great. We'll I was just gonna make like a super inappropriate joke. It's fine. We'll we'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll definitely get to see. Uh, I, I mean, think we'll save for a, Superman Returns, but garbage. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> everyone's got a couple on the resume, right? Um, but yeah, so you know, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> 
Uh, earlier this week, Marvel gave us a look at uh, one of the books that will be moving on on the other side of the Secret Wars event. And uh, that is the makeup of not one but two teams, the all-new, all-different Avengers and the Uncanny Inhumans. These are pretty notable because you see some uh, Ultimate Universe character in here. The most prominent in the middle of the cover is Ultimate Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Yeah! Uh, And the cover comprises of Miles, Kamala Khan, Sam Alexander, Vision, Captain America, of course, Sam Wilson, Iron Man, and of course, uh, right front and center, Lady Hammerpants herself. So um, if you guys love any of those characters, they're going to be in this all new, all different Avengers team, which is clearly different than A-Force, right? Yeah. Yes. It's like they've been reading our diary. Like, I don't know how else they could have cast this better. Because anything with Kamala Khan and Sam Wilson and Miles Morales and Lady Hammerpants, uh, yep, yes, all of that. So, I'm in, like, 100%. Plus, it's Mark Wade, who I appreciate the majority of his work that I've read, so I'm into it. Yeah, it's going to be uh, Mark Wade, Mahmoud Azrar, and Laura Martin, who will be uh, doing the writing, art, and colors, respectively. Um, and it's for new Avengers? It's it's for Avengers, all new, all oh. different Avengers is what it's going to be called. Gotcha. Um, so uh, it's it's a free comic book day cover that uh, that they like uh, release the solicits for. So everyone will actually be able to get their hands on this uh, book, you know, no matter what, which is you know pretty awesome. And I think the cool thing, you know, Kelsey kind of mentioned it reading our diaries. Uh, <laughs> they've taken several of these characters that are you know brand new that you know, are just getting on the mantle of, you know, whatever superhero they may be. And they've all had books that we've kind of been reading, and it's good to see them bring those new characters in with, uh, you know, with like an Avengers standout like Vision and Iron Man. Uh, I mean, Sam makes all the sense in the world as Captain America. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it, we also see Iron Man back in the red and gold, and that's like a far cry from the superior Iron Man, the chromed out, like silvery look that we've had lately. So I don't know if maybe we're going to be doing some other stuff with maybe that axis like uh, swapping that we had earlier, if everyone will be back to normal. I just hope that Lady Hammerpants continues to exist forever because I do too. Can't imagine a world where that's not the thing. <laughs> I love that they're just kind of embracing like fan favorites here too. Like I'm sure they have other reasons, but. Come on, like, Miss Marvel and Miles Morales are, like, two super huge characters. And then, like, Lady Hammerpants has been selling way more copies of Thor than old Thor ever did. So, like, at least in recent years. So, it makes sense for them, like, marketing-wise. But it's also just something really rad because they're all really done or well-done books right now. So, I'm super excited to see them with big names like that because you get a small taste of that with Kamala Khan anyways in the shield I think it was number two eh? yeah. yeah 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 but so I I love it when I see her with other characters I can only imagine how much more stoked I'm gonna be with everybody else doing the same thing um the big rumor now is that like Miles is going to replace Peter Parker in the universe like if that's a big part of like that what when that cover came out they're like oh is he taking over Peter Parker I don't know about that. I mean, I think we'll have to wait and see. I don't see them doing that. I don't have a problem with it. If they if they wanted to somehow like remove Peter Parker from the universe and have you know Miles Morales be the Spider Man of the six one six, I'd be totally, I'd be totally okay with that. I just think that like 
the world would spin like three times faster off its axis with the cries of nerds everywhere <laughs> as that gets announced. Like, I don't see. I don't know. The world is big enough for two Spider Men. It. Does, I mean, and a Spider Gwen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although she's technically in a dick. I know. I know. <laughs> she's too busy repping it with Spider Ham. Yeah. Well, that's a good that's a good place to be, right? Uh, but we also, as I mentioned before, they also showed off an Uncanny Inhumans book, and on the cover we have uh, Medusa, Triton, Inferno, Iso, Naja, and uh, someone who's on fire. And Kels, <laughs> I know you mentioned it like in the Inhumans book that it could be, uh, I think it's like Gorgon, right? Yeah. Um, and you, I mean, it, I, it, it could no, that's be. Inferno or Inferno. That is, yeah. Oh wait, no, that it, is Inferno, no, huh? Yeah. Yeah, in the book, he yeah. shows up in the Inhuman book. He's the one drumming. He, but that's that's it's his first of appearance. Oh, yeah. oh my yeah. god, my brain like fucking like totally rearranged those panels or something. I was so confused. Oh my god, like uh, Medusa sends the person out to find him because yeah. oh he ends my up god, being inhuman. Yeah, um, I... do you think maybe like one of Triton's powers could be that he can fucking breathe? out of water without looking like a goddamn goon <laughs> well we can only hope oh man apparently how not how threatening is that oh if you show up in fucking new york and you're like <gasps> like you got a breathing apparatus on <laughs> oh yeah i'm real threatened by you pal where the fuck is namer he doesn't need one of these things yeah I speaking mean... of breathing apparatuses which i realize is a weird tangent to go on did you know that people like work out with things like that on their fucking faces mm-hmm. Like yeah. for altitude training or something, you know. I've, so if anyone's ever had like uh, like surgery, and then after you like get intubated, they give you like the weird like breathing tube where you like breathe into it to like strengthen your lungs. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. It's just like a a mask that offers like resistance to the air. There's actually been some studies done where they say that like that doesn't do anything. That it's like all <laughs> bullshit. And then there's also been a handful of like incidents where people like using them are training too hard and like have like fucking like terrible injuries because they've like restricting their airflow they just get they just pay like 150 dollars to look like a total tool and to work out themselves i've literally never seen it before but i was at the gym and there was some guy who i like i go at night usually because i have stuff going on during the day and then there was a guy who came in and went on the treadmill behind me and i saw just like a glimpse in the mirror in front of me i was like what the fuck and i turned around i thought he was wearing like a bane mask Definitely not the case. It was one of those. That would have been way cooler. It would have, oddly enough, scared me less. And I was just, like, staring at him in the mirror. And I had never understood it. And then I saw it on this fucking guy. I'm like, oh, great. (laughs) That's another rumor is that now they're going to somehow make Johnny an, like, an inhuman. To make it, like, to make it so the cosmic rays, like, activated his powers, but he always had them. Yeah, like that's that's a rumor flying around right now, and that's kind of like because the sixth character here doesn't have a, a clear identification here. So retcon, retcon. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty easy retcon though, right? It's just like, yeah. yeah, you know, it was totally he was inhuman. Yeah, space then, and stuff. <laughs> another thing I read said like it very well. He's just on the team because he used to date Crystal, and he has affiliations with the Inhumans. So it's in the it's in the Facebook life events for Johnny Storm. <laughs> I, I do have to say though. <laughs> I really have to say, I fucking hate this cover. Of the Uncanny Inhumans? 
Yeah, I think it's super ugly, and <laughs> welcome to the Inhumans. Hope you survive the experience. I know it's That's a callback to, like, a classic X-Men co- cover, yeah. but it's stupid. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, it's inspired by, it's like the Welcome to Genosha cover, right, I think? And that's no, it's, be... it's uh, Pride, when, he f- when she first oh, joins the X-Men. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, the hand and everything. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think some of it is, it's a free comic book day cover, right? So, like... They're going to be giving this comic book away to everyone. They want to, you know, maybe have someone who gets the reference. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I super hate the color scheme because all the purple and green kind of grosses me out together. But I just love Medusa more than anything because I envy her hair. So, yeah, no, take it or leave it. But <laughs> Medusa's we'll... cool. I've always liked Medusa. And uh, everything else about it is garbage. <laughs> yep well, that's the uh, uncanny in humans guys <laughs> uh, i guess now is it's good time to transition to comics of the week the- hey if we're transitioning to comics actually i do have to i wanted to bring something up because so i went to google uncanny in humans you know to look at the cover and i just realized how long has it been since we've had an issue of uncanny avengers since it relaunched um, forever I don't know. I can find out for you right now. Let me see. I, I, it's like I, it's Let been me a Google while. That for you. I feel like we. I feel like last what, Unc- we like- Uncanny Avengers was in February twenty fifth. Was the last Uncanny Avengers? It was Uncanny Avengers number two? Yeah. So it hasn't even. It's so it's been, been like, like a month. It, Oh, okay. So we might get like, some. So we might get uh, another issue next month. Then. Uh, well, I just don't understand like Marvel's publishing schedule. They're like, "Hey, Uncanny Avengers, which we did like a huge push on. You're gonna get one a month, but fucking, we relaunch all new X Force. You get that shit three times a month." <laughs> yeah. Not, who knows? Two. Or, yeah. Let's see. Actually, for uh, a lot. Mm, yeah, we're gonna get Uncanny Avengers number three next week on uh, April first. So. Um, yeah, you're kind of right. All right. It just seemed like a long time. Maybe it's because we're doing this weekly, so I'm, I notice more. Yeah, you know, we probably, like, look at it four times four times a month, so we get, like, kind of lost in, the in like, the release schedule. But, yeah, I don't know. You know, we did they did have a huge, giant push for it, so I don't know. I think some of that is the flagship book and the monthly release. Like, I, I really feel like, like every other week is the best release schedule for a flagship book, but I know that sometimes when they get those uh, like like bigger writers on the comics that they want like more time for it. And hey, I, can I really blame like artists for wanting to like perfect their work? Nah, yes. not really. You know, I probably just got confused because like there's eighty fucking Avengers books out now, and yeah, there's like Uncanny, Secret, New, Regular Avengers, Avengers World. There was another book that was like a short run that was like Mighty Avengers. Right, Captain America. Oh yeah, and no, that's Avengers. still going. Yeah, yeah, so that's, that's still, still going, going too. Yep. Uh, they don't have a Young Avengers book right now, so you know. Just sad. Yeah, it is. Sad. <laughs> that's honestly the only one I would really want. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're not the only one. Uh, but anyways, this week we did have a whole bunch of comics that came out. I think we all agreed that the standout this week was yet another issue uh, um, within the Marvel Star Wars conglomerate i guess then <laughs> has been uh, really just trucking along with great stuff and that is uh kieran gillen salvador la roca and edgar delgado on writing art and color respectively with darth vader number three and uh this one gets to introduce us to uh dr afra uh basically Space Indiana Jones? Um, my comparison was Space Tiny Tina from go. Borderlands. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I think I think she's yeah, like probably a bit of a mix of both, you know. Um, mix of Tiny Tina and Tannis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, and she, we have her like sneaking into a crazy like, uh, I guess like a droid uh, security division or whatever. I did like her shouting out, "It should be in an armory." Uh, <laughs> very nice, uh, Disney. Uh, but you know, it, it was a uh, it was a good comic all the way through. I thought uh, Vader looks fucking badass as hell in it, and uh, it also introduced like two of the like coolest uh, like droids ever. Kieran Gill- Gillen writes, uh, if it was is it three zero that he wanted to be designated as, and uh, BT one are like as perfect as a Star Wars droid. Yeah, triple zero and BT one, very very good. I don't know. I love this comic. Um, I'm super in love with her. Me too. I want a big poster of her on my wall. <laughs> Actually, this cover, the cover alone, I could put up on my wall. I'd be cool with that. And that's done by A.D. Granov does the yep. cover for this one. Um, yeah, but the comic was, a. I mean, the, uh, the Star Wars comics are all good. Still. Yeah, we They're really haven't just been... disappointed with, like, a single one. Yeah, exactly. And on it, like... Adding this character into the Darth Vader book is such a move because, um, like we've talked about before, like Vader is a man of like few words. So giving him like a very mouthy sidekick is a <laughs> really intelligent thing to do because it adds a lot to the book. Actually, giving him like three sidekicks realistically, but one of them is just like a totally hot badass girl. So <laughs> this super fun hat. Yeah. So it's just like a bonus. Andy, re- like. Uh, do your Star Wars nerd thing and tell me why Darth Vader would care about Geonosis. Uh, so Geonosis, if I mean, I guess Kells doesn't really know about all that jazz because she didn't watch the prequels. But Geonosis is the world where the um, uh, Nemoidians, the Trade Federation people, brokered a giant factory of the flying Geonosi people to create the dro- uh, battle droids in the original Clone Wars. Mm. So she's talking about going to Geonosis and reactivating a battle droid factory to basically give vader a uh army of battle droids on his command gotcha. nice of her yeah the, the unfortunate thing is that like i scoured the internet and all available star wars channels to tr- try and find out what model of ship she's flying uh the archangel looks like a crazy mutated fire spray which is what the uh slave one is but it definitely has a very different design than the than the fire spray 31 so i i, I don't know what ship that is I will say there's one part in this comic where, uh, where is it? He's like, you're, you are fond for talking or something. You're like overly <laughs> fond of communication or some shit to her. It's like, what the hell? Uh, but you know, we get these two droids, um, like loaded back up and there's one moment where like, she tries to like crack a joke at him and he's like, I have no feelings regarding Geonosis. Like <laughs> fucking Darth Vader, man. Like, oh. It is so good. Um, he's a cold, it, hard bitch. Yeah, he certainly is. So you know, we'll we'll get to see we'll get to see a lot more from this book, I think. And I mean, I guess these Disney Marvel books ha- or Star Wars Marvel books, that is, have really been uh, knocking it out of the park with like adding in extra characters. Like we really like Yvonne in like the Princess Leia book. We mm-hmm. really like um, you know getting these. Uh, getting Afra and like triple uh, zero and BT one in the, uh, in this book. So like, you know, uh, and don't forget like black Chewbacca. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we got uh, yeah, brand new Chewbacca in whatever the, uh, that guy. I, I don't remember what his name was, but he's it's black Chewbacca. So, <laughs> oh man, yeah. Who knows what where like that whole like storyline is going to end up going? But we do we do get like you know, like you said, Vader can't carry the whole book just himself without there being text to follow and everything else going on. So a loud talking dark sided C three PO and a spunky female what does she call herself? Weapons archaeologist or something like that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh would be fantastic. So I like the like tone of this book. Again, the art just looks fantastic. They do such a great job of doing uh, of capturing the motion of the page as well as keeping everyone very faithful. Like there's not a page like in almost every panel of this book, Darth Vader is like menacing, like leaning over or like pouring out of the page always. On page and, 16, um, he straight up has his arms crossed. Like he's like looking disapprovingly. It's probably, yeah. it, 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 I don't know. It's really funny looking. He looks like a mad mom. Even better about that, he has his arms crossed as Triple uh, Zero is offering to shake his hand as a greeting. He's like, nah, fuck you, man. <laughs> I love when she oh. tells, when she gives him the override imprint to call her and Vader master. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it goes through like the whole process of like, oh, maybe we shouldn't shake hands then. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh, it's got a lot of nice little details in terms of like the Star Wars universe, and uh, you know, it's got a ton of kind of like planning and foreshadowing for just what might be happening uh, in the next couple of books. So uh, we'll get we'll get a good look at the rest of Darth Vader's universe in it's a couple of weeks, right? We have to wait until partway through April, I think, before we get the next one. Yeah, uh, April 8th, so two weeks away uh, until the next issue of Darth Vader. One of the um, things I'm actually really excited about with the Star Wars books, and it's, it's a strange thing, it's like a strange thing to be excited about, but... Um, like, cause I'm reading all these comics, and of course I love them. I'm, I'm like, I'm excited about them. But like, I'm just there's going to be such a paradigm shift with fucking Battle World and Secret Wars. And so I'm just like, I'm reading all these comics, and I'm like, okay, like, how much of this is actually going to matter in the long run? Like, what's being changed? Like, which you know, like, a, we know a bunch of comics are getting canceled. Like, what storylines are going to be resolved? And with the Star Wars books, I don't have to worry about it because I'm like, nope, I get to just read these and enjoy them, and not have to worry about some big event that's going to just like completely erase some things and turn this character into that character. Um, and that, I don't know. It's just, it's like, it's part of the reason I enjoy reading some of the image books so much too is like as much as i love marvel uh, like i don't have to worry about that big like that big event that's gonna happen every year yeah you don't have to wait for the giant shoe to drop (laughs) yeah yeah the and you know deadpool (laughs) deadpool can't show up in this fucking comic which is great (laughs) i feel like every fucking marvel book i read it's like oh "Oh, there's deadpool this week he 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 showed up in like three or four of them um just like randomly Ugh, he's just like Anyways. he's like Wolverine was three years ago, and Spider-Man <laughs> was ten years ago. Oh, a book sales are dropping. Throw Deadpool in there. Hey, man, that's a that's a Marvel solution right there. But we also had uh, Inhumans number thirteen that came out this week. Again, it's uh, Medusa is kind of now the leader of New Attilan as uh, Black Bolt pieced out uh, when. <laughs> <laughs> when he was like, yo, I will only be, like, king. And she was like, no way, man. I'm the queen. And then he was like, okay, peace, guys. He's like, well, I know better than to argue, so I'm gonna roll. Yeah, like, Take my cue. I just want to point out again how stupid Triton looks on the cover of this comic book. I don't care that he has a giant dorsal fin and, like, 
glowing blue eyes. He's still wearing a huge purple breathing apparatus. <laughs> and he looks like a, I don't understand like what he why does he look like a shark? I don't know. On the the variant, the Jill Thompson variant cover, he does not have a masky thing on. Yeah, that that's variant, way better. That variant yeah. cover is beautiful, by the way. I love it. Yeah. I actually like that variant cover so much more than what they went with originally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, Ryan Stegman. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's not my jam, but you know, eh, I guess. I mean, to be honest, it's hard for any cover with Gorgon on the cover to be my jam. But... <laughs> it's already it's already working against itself there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know who we're gonna put on the cover of this comic? Gorgon and Triton. Oh yeah, that's gonna sell it. <laughs> people just look at the cover of this comic and they're like who the fuck are those people <laughs> pretty much <laughs> sometimes i sometimes i think that when they put these inhuman covers together i'm like people aren't gonna know who these characters are at all uh but this comic we get to go su- go through and basically see um inferno get his powers uh essentially for the first time and uh he kind of like flames on <laughs> so to speak and then <laughs> we get lineage uh, telling uh, kind of like a, a prophecy for Medusa. And in the end, we end up visiting a, another like prison area or prison like pocket dimension or something and finding out that Karnak is alive. Uh, well, Karnak, coming back from hell. Well, Karnak's Ryan, actually thoughts? in hell. Karnak's actually in hell. And it's like the one time that Karnak's ever been kind of cool. Which, by the way, we said this before the podcast started, but thanks, Marvel, for making me a fucking liar. Because I literally <laughs> just last week was like, R.I.P. Karnak. But yeah, we, we, did, like, we did a whole Google search for it. Come on. <laughs> um, but he does say, I can tell you, even hell has a weakness. And I was like, oh, that's like the one moment Karnak has ever been cool. And his mustache almost ruined it. <laughs> yeah, I think the only, like real comic character who gets away with the pencil stash is like Doctor Strange. Yeah. yeah. It would help if you weren't wearing like fucking teal and purple. <laughs> yeah. I like how I like how several of the Inhumans costumes like from like so freaking far away like in the past like they just haven't changed like Karnak just teal, purple, a little bit of lavender there. He's just chilling. He's got a loincloth even though he's wearing pants. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Gotta protect your loins, you know? It's very <laughs> With important. <a> cloth. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a special inhuman loincloth, right? You know, extra... It has loin. a breathing apparatus for his balls under it. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously the best option. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you're away from sea for too long. It's fine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, but we had, uh, we had some other great comics this week. I know I failed to talk about this. I think it was like two weeks ago when uh, this event was kind of starting to come to a close. But that is none other than Secret Avengers 14. Uh, Alice Cott and Michael Walsh are writing and doing the art uh, respectively. Matthew Wilson is doing the cover. And uh, this one... The So to catch you guys up, the plot of Secret Avengers at the moment is that Modok was working with S.H.I.E.L.D. and he was actually only doing it because he was in love with Maria Hill. And now because of that, Snapper, who used to be Modok's second in command, is now trying to take over the world by harnessing the force of an intergalactical being called Talon. And so now Coulson, Nick Fury, Hawkeye, Modok, and a couple others are all working together to try and stop Snapper, who wants to bring this crazy demon 
very Cthulhu-like, I think, uh, thing into the world. But he's doing it through the idea space, where he basically links up all of these people uh, that he's, like, tranquilized in this ceremonial circle in some God-knows-where place. And uh, he needs to basically will it into existence. And part of the plan is to put Modoc in there also. And uh, Modoc's going to have, like, a mind battle with this dude, essentially, in the idea space. We don't get any of that this time, because the next issue is going to be them being all crazy. But... I, I really like every possible appearance of Agent Coulson in comics, and Secret Avengers, despite that plotline maybe sounding ridiculous, has been a pretty good ride all the way through. So if you guys haven't like had a chance to catch up or read it, I would say take a peek, because at least the last five or so issues have been pretty good. So I don't understand this Nick Fury. Is this like Nick Fury's son that's also named Nick Fury or some bullshit like that, right? Uh, no, this is Nick Fury. Mm, no, dude, he's black. Yeah, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like alternate uh, universe Nick Fury in Secret Avengers Nick Fury. He's like basically movie Nick Fury. No, but they like introduced that character into the Marvel 616. Yeah, no, I, I I know that, but as like no, but like the black Nick Fury, they explained like there's a reason why there's a black Nick Fury and a white Nick Fury. Oh, uh, yeah, that's I mean, sorry, that's what I mean is like he's black Nick Fury, you know, like I, I'm not aware of the of the link between the two or whatever. I just know that like white Nick Fury's dead now or is Watcher now. Right? So who the fuck is black Nick Fury? <laughs> black Nick Fury. That makes zero sense to me. Well, you know. ah, there we go. Found it. That's what I thought. He's Nick Fury Jr. Oh, okay. Yeah, Every he, time you he's guys... Nicol... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he's Nick Fury's son. Okay, that's why I knew I had read it, because they introduced him, like, they explained him into continuity at the same time they brought Coulson in. Yeah, and then, yeah, so he's he exists. He's Nick Fury, I guess, enough? <laughs> yeah, well, he's Nick Fury Jr., so, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't like you putting the junior on the end there. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, if you guys if you guys like a it's it's definitely a much more whimsical comic than like most of the Avengers books that are out there. I think some of that is Alice Cott on the um on like the writing. But uh there's like one there's like two pages in the middle of this book, uh pages 7 and 8, and it says like this is how Hawkeye took down 17 hired guns without killing a single one of them while avoiding a monster and still <laughs> totally following the plan, wondering why the Fury wasn't following the plan, then realizing that those things crawling out of the gate look like they might have been the things that the Fury had babies with. <laughs> and it's got this like 15 panel like display of him like hitting all 15 and then the next panel is him like finishing off the last two dudes but it's like just a nice like layout of the individual panels and it looks like fucking wonderfully kinetic and i I mean you know too often we don't get enough love for hawkeye i say that after getting a wonderful fraction led hawkeye book and a promising all new hawkeye book was that like two weeks ago yeah but it's got like some pop-up characters here and i just adore i don't know like i said colson's involved so i'm kind of in no matter what i definitely love the covers trad Moore is great and he's done every cover for the series so far yeah exactly um and that's and that was one of the things that really kind of pulled me in was one of those covers that i was like whoa what the fuck is going on here and uh and yeah so it's the the you know secret avengers was originally very much like maria hill and a group of secret avengers working to take stuff down black widow spider woman hawkeye nick fury and uh colson but after Modoc kind of joined on, it all kind of went off the. Uh, and I think next week's actually the finale of that as well. 
It is, know. yeah. And so next week we'll get them like going into the thought space or whatever it's called and looking to see who gets to manifest Talon. Like the cover for next week looks fucking insane and wacky. <laughs> They're like all like swimming in this like giant sea of whales and sharks. Is and that the fin one? Almost everyone's, <laughs> yeah, and almost everyone's riding a dolphin. <laughs> it just looks very wacky. So we'll get to see just what happens with that next Can week. we also just oh. say that one of the last panels of Vladimir falling out of the sky is saying, how strange, did I always sound like Michael Caine? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, this, there's, a, there's a lot of really like just great moments inside this book. Um, and uh, so, you know, the, if you guys have if you guys have love of any of those characters mentioned, it, I think it's definitely worth a read. Oh, wait, um, on the issue for next one, did we did you I wasn't listening. Did you guys just say that there's the Iron Man fish and the Captain America fish? Yes, there are. <laughs> we did. We didn't mention that, but there are. I and think a there's Deadpool also fish. a Deadpool fish. <laughs> and uh, these, it looks these like... w- giant whales on the bottom were wearing tiny top hats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my god, it's I want like, this framed. <laughs> it's just a gorgeous There's a Thorfish on top. Oh my god, this is mm-hmm. too cute. <laughs> and a daredevil yeah. fish. Yep. Yeah, I think I think Tradmore really has been just like knocking out of the park with that art. I believe that's still Tradmore. I can't see like a sign, uh, like a sign. I think so. He's done the cover of almost every issue. I think he's done the yeah, cover of so. every issue. So yeah, so that, that that makes some sense then. But yeah, so if you guys want to check out uh, Secret Avengers number fourteen, it was out this week, and as usual, it was amazing. This week we also had uh, Gotham Academy number six from uh, Becky Cloonan and uh, Brennan Fletcher. And again, we get to see more of kind of like what ends up happening with Killer Karak as like Batman finally shows up at um, Gotham Academy and they get to like brawl it out. Um, It was a pretty, a lot happened this issue. Um, I feel like a lot's been leading up to it, but I really liked that we got to see the more human side of Killer Croc, especially like in recent years, he's become very like animalistic in most of his appearances in comic books uh he kind of started back in like when jim lee and jeff Lowe did their hush run and he became almost like like a full-on crocodile um Mm -hmm. but this one he's definitely like more human and it was cool to see that like he protected um olive because like he knew her mom and the uh and arkham but also we got a hint that um she probably has some sort of metahuman power yeah, because um, she ignites the fireworks that go off in the mansion without like with just like thinking about it, right? She doesn't even like yeah, basically like some fire starter shit going on. Um, yeah, and you I, see like some fire in her eyeballs. So. And I really liked all of, like the conversations between her and Batman as well. Yeah, like towards the end when they're talking about like Batman's cost of like bringing her here and keeping her like safe and stuff. Yeah, um, this comic just never ever gets old for me i just i really love like everything they're doing with just the story i don't know the stories that they're telling with the characters that are pre-existing are just great and then the new characters and the the like friendships and and the dynamics that they've created um between them while interweaving them with this like pre-existing dc universe which i still don't think this takes place in modern dc continuity it's got to be like a strange offshoot of it but I just, I really love this book. And I've said it before, it's because it's a teen drama with Batman in it. So, <laughs> and now this girl who probably has superpowers. Yeah, so it's kind of cool to see. I mean, because in the, in the past, it's been very much just like a human story about the kids in 
um, Gotham Academy. So it'll be interesting to get to see, you know, just how like how it spins off the rails once uh, once they finally show off that she's got um, you know some of these possible powers that are going on. So, uh, but yeah, the other the other wonderful uh, DC comic that was out this week about people inside a creepy mansion. Uh, this one was the final chapter. In uh, Arkham Manor from Jerry Dugan and Sean Crystal on the art, Dave McCaig on colors. And, like, we finally get a conclusion to what the fuck Bruce has been doing with all these guys inside inside Arkham Manor. I really just want a, like, Mr. Freeze has been so much cooler in this fucking comic than he's ever been. Like, first of all, his, like, mohawk thing fucking rules. And second of all, just, like, his attitude, his totally, like, blasé attitude about everything, to me, is just hilarious. Like, how he's just, like, outside barbecuing while this shit's going on, and they're like, what's he doing out here? And they're like, oh, he, well, he has good behavior. Um, I've, I've really, like, just, I've, I've loved all of the interactions with Mr. Freeze in this entire run. Yeah, I think it's it's been it's been cool to see some of the inter, uh, the interactions of all of the kind of like different characters that have been trapped inside Arkham Manor, you know. Um, so it's it's, yeah, it's good. It is the end though. Yeah, I, I mean, I never expected that that book to last super long, um, and I really just hope because it came in time as Gotham Cat. I hope it doesn't mean that that's coming to an end anytime soon. Um, but I, I think the Go- the Gotham Academy book seems to have a lot more like momentum moving forward, whereas this one, you know, like I mean, it, it does literally say the end on the last panel, so I think we can safely, um, you know, um, and uh, be happy it's all over. Well, and with convergence going on, I that's why I'm kind of like I, I want to know if Gotham Academy takes place in like the main place DC universe, because if not, then with even with convergence happening, we'll be able to continue the book. Um, but if not, it will will probably see some sort of repercussion. Oh yeah, we didn't even yeah that that that's actually a that's a yeah, we haven't talked convergence. Yet. Of course, I know, we keep kind of just that? like um, that thing exists. <laughs> Every time yeah, I see the cover yeah, for that stupid event, I'm like, God, that looks fucking terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's certainly uh, a thing. Um, it's a thing. I guess the yeah, it's a it's a thing that happens. Elegant uh, and it's the other Batman, <laughs> mm-hmm, it definitely is. Uh, Batman's other book out this week was Batman Eternal. This one has like all of the Bat people fighting against Clue Master, and Clue Master finds out Batman's identity, and then Batman kicks his ass, and then all of a sudden, uh, who is this? It's this Thomas guy Wayne is? Jr. There you go. Yeah. Who shows up at the end? Who may or may and... not be Bruce's brother? Yeah. By the way, and he's he's one of he's one of the the what are they called? The he's part of the Court of the Owls. Yeah, from the Court of Owls. Yeah. Uh, one of the Talons, maybe. Yeah, Talons. That's what it is. Sorry. Go ahead. So Thomas Wayne Jr.'s story is that he was a child. This drives me fucking crazy. He was <laughs> Thomas and Martha Wayne's child, and they were in a car accident, and they put him in the hospital. And when they and so he was in the hospital and when the Waynes died, everyone just forgot about him. They're like, oh, I don't know about that. Where would that kid go? I don't know. And then the Court of Owls like adopted him into their fold. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's realistic. Like two of the most prolific people, like super ball and rich people in Gotham have a kid, put him in the hospital. And then when they die, everyone's just like, oh, I forgot about that baby. The fuck is that? 
I mean, I guess you, I guess you can write off as like you know the court of owls made him disappear because they're so omnipotent about you know. Everyone just forgot that they had a baby. I don't know. It's 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 definitely reeks of DC retcon city right there. <laughs> like, eesh. and he was Bruce Wayne's older brother too. So it's he was like. Actually, yeah. I can't even tell. There's so many Thomas Wayne Juniors. He might have been his younger. I don't fucking know. Yeah, there's definitely some weird ass shit going on uh, with the Wayne. Oh no, here it is. Tree. Bruce's younger brother, born prematurely as the result of an attempt on Martha's life, so he was born premature in the car accident. So they took him to the Willowwood Home for Children. Then they were murdered, and everyone forgot about him. Hmm. I feel like that's happened on a TV show. Oh, my God, that happened on Bones. <laughs> someone someone in the Bones writing staff has been reading uh, old back issues of uh, Batman. When did that happen in Batman? No, it happened, like, last year. It's when Scott Snyder took over on New 52. Yeah, well, this happened in Bones, or like, like I guess six years like ago. Like, years ago. <laughs> Oh, so it's actually Batman oh, is watching shit. the Batman writers. So, so Ryan, you know what this means? This means Scott Snyder is watching oh Bones. Uh, it means that. Well, it explains why it's his worst writing yet. <laughs> <laughs> like that's seriously some like. Uh, that's that's some a wrap, bullsh- folks. <laughs> that's some bullshit Grant Morrison retcon right there. Like that's what that is. <laughs> Terrible. He knows that he. We're just no baby. Like what? Okay, even if he was born premature, what? So like Martha was what? Like two months pregnant, and they somehow kept that baby alive. No one knew she was fucking pregnant. Come on. (laughs) And he calls himself Lincoln and March because they were hit at the intersection of Lincoln and March. Oh Jesus! Bad (sighs) writing is bad. comic books everybody <laughs> this is the lot we have chosen <laughs> that's the truth let's see uh i know we mentioned uh summers brothers earlier in the week or earlier in the show i guess uh and this one actually finally we got the summer brothers i, I don't even know if confrontation is the right word for it mope fest is probably more appropriate <laughs> yeah. Uh, as Uncanny X-Men 32 came out this week bendis and bacalo on writing and colors or inks or Pencils, actually, Bacalo is doing. And then we've got Tim Townsend, Wayne Felsher, Mark Irwin, Victor Lazara, and Al Vey on inks. And Chris Bacalo and Rain Barrero are doing colors. This one basically kind of wraps up the Cyclops storyline from Uncanny 31 when they did the giant retcon with Eva Bell resetting history and bringing back Cyclops and magic into existence uh, when she went back in time and convinced Charles Xavier to make... What was that kid's name? I don't know. The crazy mutant's parents, like, not meet, and so he doesn't exist, so time was rewritten. Oh, yeah, Matt, Matthew something. Matthew Malloy. Also, I like um, to call this uh, issue the circle jerk of sadness. <laughs> Can that be the That's episode pretty title? pretty much yeah, right. Let's do that. <laughs> this is pretty much, like, for real, that's what it is. It, I mean, it really is. It's just... Like, Scott just mopes about the whole time. I I will say the interaction that he has with Emma is good. Uh, I thought that was, like, my favorite part of the entire book was when he finally, like, when Emma basically told him, like, you're a fucking idiot, Scott. Like, you didn't understand any of what was going on over the past, like, two years that she was, like, by your side sticking by you the whole time. Like, 
And I mean, true to form, it's good to see a Summers brother just, you know, torpedo the shit out of all of his relationships <laughs> in terms of friends, allies, ladies in his life. He's just like, fuck it. I'm Cyclops. It's my job to make bad decisions. That's why I've got the ruby red sunglasses on. Like, <laughs> that is the best description of Cyclops I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that's straight up that's just real talk he's just like the ultimate like pariah character and like the worst part is that like he like kind of knows it but doesn't so he's like no way i was totally doing what was right no it was all my fault wasn't it damn (laughs) and then he just mopes about for a whole book which is essentially what this is uh it does allude towards the end that maybe like him and uh havoc are gonna go do some kind of good or something. Isn't Havoc supposed to be bad right now? Did they just scrap that? Uh, well, he is technically supposed to be still flopped. It's supposed to be him, Sabretooth, and Iron Man are the three that ended up still swapped from the Axis event. Now, there it doesn't seem like there's much of that going on here, but, you know, if this idea that Havoc has that he's mentioning ends up being much more negative and he's kind of taking advantage of Scott, I think we'll we'll see, but... I mean, hey, it's Bendis, so I wouldn't be surprised if Bendis was just like, nah, fuck it, like, I'm ignoring that stupid swap shit that was going on, like, He's not like, doing I it, I do you know, what I but... fucking want. I feel like we've been down this road before, like, with the, with the Summers Brothers. Oh, yeah. They've been down know. every road. I, I do like where, where there's one panel where Alex uh, Havoc asks Scott, he says, what the hell is wrong with us? And Scott goes, aliens kidnapped our parents and killed our mom in front of us. And then our power set made us the prize in the human world before we could. And he's like, no, no, no. I was uh, being rhetorical. He's like, oh, yeah, but I'm right. And he's like, yep, I know. Did that, that didn't happen in <laughs> front of them, did it? Because I thought it was just yeah. Corsair up with the with her when that happened. No, it was, uh, well, like... The current 616, like, retelling uh, of that event retelling is, that, like, the operative word here. is, like, Scott and Scott and Alex are, like, in the plane with Mom as, like, it's going down and Mom dies and then she, like, pushes them out the plane with... Well, in, like, the parachute that they have. The parachute. They... Oh, so they completely yeah. disregard the whole storyline that Deken, like, essentially raped her. It was yeah. highly, highly alluded to. Yeah. Wasn't that... yeah, so fucking X-Men. Who can keep track? <laughs> really? Exactly. <laughs> so many time travel retcons. Who knows X-Men what's going on when it comes to the X-Men continuity? It's my favorite, like, franchise, and I have no idea what's happening, like, 80% of the time. <laughs> it's it's good trying to figure it out for the most part, so. All you need to know is yeah. that Adam the Extreme was once considered <laughs> in the running to be a brother and that is the end of the x-men let's just bring up adam the x adam x the extreme in every single podcast we have because this is like the third time i want to just do a special podcast where we we need to just do a a special podcast where we only go over the summer's family line Uh, and it will be our longest podcast ever it will be eight hours long so alternate alternate idea let's not do that at all but instead, if people want to look into that, we should redirect them to an awesome podcast called Rachel and I- Miles Explain the X-Men, in which they do that pretty much all the time. So Yeah. If you guys do have any interest in that, Rachel and Miles Explain the X-Men, they often look at the X-Men comics for the week, and then they usually take like a topic each week to look into kind of like some of the bizarre shit that happens in, back in the X-Men universe. They find, uh, you know, they pull like pages from like old stuff. I think one... One one week they talked about the X Men swimsuit issue, uh, 
you know, there's all kinds of good stuff. And Rachel Iden and her husband Miles have a almost encyclopedic knowledge of uh, X Men information. Yeah, so they... if you guys have any interest in Summer's family trees, I'm sure that there's at least one episode over yeah, there they, for you. They guys. do all the research that we don't do, and then they have a bunch of episodes in the beginning of their podcast. I want to say, like, 1 through 20 or something is all focused on, like, Silver Age X-Men and, like, the Cla- uh, Claremontian era, too. So, yeah. Uh, Go check that all out. that matters is, is their newest episode was strictly about Longshot, so... <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that's one that of the alone <laughs> makes me makes them my hero, and it's called "Of Mullets and Miracles." So, <laughs> like I said, it's a quality podcast, you guys. Uh, so, if you have any interest, please uh, visit Rachel and Miles. They will, I'm sure, appreciate it. Uh, they also have some great merchandise available, like the T-shirt that I bought from them that said "Magneto had some valid points." I really, <laughs> really enjoy that T-shirt. They also um, have a T-shirt, at least they used to, that said <laughs> "Maybe or probably a Summers brother." <laughs> Still available oh my god, on the that's website. amazing. Yeah, and still quite relevant. On the they have a t-shirt of Longshot. Yep, that's correct. It's all good stuff over there. Someone uh, but speaking these of guys. Good... Tell them how amazing they are, Kelsey. I'm doing it right now. They are wonderful. <laughs> uh, some, of, some of the uh, other, I guess this one's kind of X-Men related. Uh, Wolverine's number 12 came out this week, and we're starting to, I think, kind of get to the end. We're getting dangerously close, I think, at least, of them to them uh, reviving Wolverine. Um, they haven't talked about like close. Mr. Sinister in a while, but uh, but we get like a a battle, a serious battle between like Fang and um, and a bunch of the other people. Mostly, uh, Mystique pulls out this like right? yeah, and then eventually it's uh, mostly Shogun once like the first few panels happen, and we get a kind of a description of you know Shogun fighting Wolverine in the last bits and. It is kind of still left up in the air, you know, about just exactly what happened with Wolverine as far as all of these people are concerned. Well, I mean, I guess we all read, people who read the book got to see that, um, you know, what happened or whatever. But, yeah, it's, I wish we could get more Mystique in this book. Like, she's the best character out of all of these Wolverine people, so. What is up with, like, Shogun and Ogun? So Shogun is, like, the original dude, right? Uh Uh, He originally wore, like, this, like, crazy gas mask thing. And then Ogun is, like, this crazy, uh, like, bloodthirsty demon that at one point uh, possessed Lady Deathstrike, at one point possessed Wolverine, at one point uh, possessed Shogun. And Ogun is, like, a... If you could imagine it as like kind of like the devil like behind you, he's trying to like he's like an evil spirit trying to take adva- take control over. Wasn't he like the samurai dude that fought Wolverine back in like yes, Claremont Ogun, era? Exactly, Ogun the the demon also possessed. Uh, I think Silver Samurai for a while as well was um, possessed by Ogun. Uh... But so he's kind of like a he's also another kind of like entity that's very strongly attached to Wolverine. So I think that's kind of why he ended up in the that like entity or character ended up but he's kind of gone now i don't know fang kind of gets rid of him for a bit i do like that fang says that he like comes to this universe because of the like sound that the the light makes with the stalactites or whatever they are in this panel overall Um, i've really actually liked fang as a character in this whole arc i i I just thought it was a fun character because he he literally just exists to like like fight like he used to show up and just fight wolverine every year for funsies and then they'd get like Mm -hmm. super hammered together which i think is a really fun and neat idea and he's basically just 
Imperial Guard Wolverine. Yeah, and I think it makes sense for a Wolverine character. Like, are you kidding? Beat each other up and get drunk afterwards? I'm sure that sounds like a great thing for Wolverine, right? Yeah, and, and like um, since they both had like nearly like they couldn't die because of their regenerative abilities pretty much, like it makes sense that they could totally just unleash on each other. Yeah, so it was, I think it's it was good. We'll see. It's, there's more Phantom L here, which is wonderful. Uh, and of course, Ryan, guess who shows up right at the end of the yeah, comic? Yeah, fucking Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> God. So uh, it looks it looks like Deadpool is going to be a part of this Wolverine's cast moving forward. What a surprise! Uh, he does actually have <laughs> it, the other the other thing that shows up at the end of this book is the blue and yellow Wolverine spandex. Yeah. Uh, so my all time favorite Wolverine costume. And Deadpool says there's a new Wolverine in town, which makes me think that Wade might be putting on the blue and <laughs> yellow spandex in the next oh issue. My God. So. If you guys have any interest in seeing that, probably Wolverine's 13 is the best place to look for that next one. I know we had a triple dose of Black Vortex this week, um, spanned across Guardians of the Galaxy 25, uh, Nova 28, and uh, Legendary Star-Lord 10. Uh, They were chapters 7, 8, and 9 of the Black Vortex saga, and we talked about this last week when we talked about the pair of Black Vortex books that we had, but... This is kind of going nowhere fast. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a giant MacGuffin in the Black Vortex. <laughs> and uh, They're basically just cramming apparently... Guardians of the Galaxy down everyone's throat because of the success of the movie. So they're uh, like, yeah, how I can we throw like Guardians that. into like a fucking X-Men book right now? <laughs> Make Star-Lord fuck Kitty Pride. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually that this... down with that. But... I am too, though. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think the Star-Lord-Kitty like, romance has been the best thing that's come out of this whole like Guardians-X-Men crossover that they've been doing for the last few months. But like everyone's encased in amber right now, and the brood's going to come down and eat everybody. Ugh. Like, I don't know. It is it is weird. We do get to see, uh, again, Black Vortex up Beast and Gamora, and apparently Black Vortex up Angel is, like, on his way as well. And we see what Nova would look like Black Vortex up, which was... Yeah, in the Nova book. I, I, I swear, like, that whole time the Nova book was going on, I was, like, almost sure that we were going to get Sam to, like, submit, but we did not, which is kind of disappointing, but whatever. When's Dick Ryder coming everyone back? to be all crazy... I don't know. That's all I care about. Ryder's dead, so... Well, Mm -hmm. goddammit. I mean, I know he's dead, dead, but, like, come on. You're really gonna let... You're gonna bring Karnak back, but you're gonna let someone with as golden of a name as Dick Ryder slip away into fucking the obscurity of death in comic books? (laughs) It really is a shame, but I I, I think... Well, I'm kind of thinking we might actually see, like... Like Richard Ryder show up in the uh, in the Battle World event, maybe you know. Um, well, and they touch on him briefly in here because like Sam talks to his helmet, like he has a, yeah. he has a dream about him. Yeah, so there's some there's some little bits there. So you know, if you guys if you guys are interested in that Black Vortex saga, if you uh, can tolerate, it, I think we've got one more month of that, like four or five more issues uh, left before they wrap that all up. Which of course will lead right into the uh, forthcoming. Secret Wars storyline. Uh, taking a look, I know there were a handful of... Uh, there were maybe... Not even maybe a handful. Maybe just a couple of uh, Image Comics that we that we had saw this week. I know we had Curb Stomp number two come out earlier. Uh, That's not uh, on Image, Wednesday, though, right? right? Isn't that an Image book? I don't think so. Hold, please. I, <laughs> I think it is. I don't actually know. No, I don't think so. You're probably right, but 
No, you're right. It's boom. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah it's a it's a boom. Yeah, boom comment. Not great. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I'm kind of just reading it because, like I said last time when we talked about the number one girl gangs, but. I don't know, man. Like, this one, there was just so, 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 so many, like, words happening. Like, it was just so excessively articulate that it didn't need to be. The story is just, for being, like, halfway through the arc, it's just not where it should be. Like, progression-wise, they still, I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of exposition in this yeah, book. Yeah, like, and it's... Kirkman level of exposition going on in yeah, this book, which is a little off But without, like, the mastery of it, it feels like... I don't know. I want it to be awesome and rad because I like a badass, like, red-headed, like, <laughs> roller derby girl who they just refer to as derby, but I don't... I don't know. I'm not feeling it right now. Maybe the next issue will change my mind. There's only four of them, so it's not like I have to, like, hold on for, like, a long period of time, but... This one just wasn't great. It was just way too wordy and just too much happening that you had to remember, like, all this backstory for. It's just not worth the payoff as of right now, so. Yeah, it was a bit, I mean, I don't know. It was just a really, really wordy, wordy comic. To be fair, though, the colors are still beautiful. <laughs> if that makes anybody feel better. Yeah. Um, we also had Rumble 4 that came out this week. Um, Ryan, are you still reading the Rumble... Uh, um, I am, but John I, Cootie and James Herring. I actually did not get to read Image Comics this week. Yeah, Sad. Rumble. Uh, uh, same. I got a I got a chance to read through Rumble number four. I thought it was really good. Um, you know, after Ryan's recommendation of the comic, I think it was like what, like maybe three or four weeks ago, off of like number two or number three, and I I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it's kind of starting to ramp up to finishing up the arc where they were. So. Without spoiling Ryan or anything, you know, if you guys are interested in uh, catching up in the comic, uh, grab the last few issues. It will no doubt be a uh, a good look there. How um, can you not enjoy a comic was... that's literally just about a giant scarecrow with a huge sword beating the shit out of people? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and and there's also yeah, I mean it, it's it's one of those things where like reading through the comic, I I had like a couple moments where I was like, is this like is this really the comic that I'm reading? <laughs> and then. And then, like, sure, fucking enough, like, there's, like, one part where they, where, like, the main, uh, the main, like, kind of cryptic dude or whatever, the one-armed man, uh, Corgan, he's, like, explaining, like, some demonic shit going on, and it's just, like, there's this really great, like, uh, kind of, like, intercut montage in the middle of, like, dead graves and, like, this one panel of, like, a hand jotting out of the ground, like, I can't get enough of, um, of Day Stewart on the art, like, He's just doing a fantastic job on this comic. Like, everything looks, like, super, like, unusual. And, like, you know, he does a great job of taking characters that are just, like, plain normal humans. And he draws them very plain and ordinary. But whenever he has to draw anything that has, like, any amount of, like, occult or anything to it, he really just, like, goes all out. And the character design in this book is just absolutely wonderful. So if you guys, uh, yeah, if you guys, like wonderful characters <laughs> which you probably should if you're listening to our podcast right then uh, rumble four is definitely one to check out is there anything that i missed in terms of image books or i feel like that was it we were kind of light PC? this week uh gem in the holograms number one what oh, that's right that's right that's right oh that's right gem in the holograms uh right i know you finally got that was a idw book right yeah um, idw put it out um and it's got uh kelly thompson doing the story art by sophie 
uh, Sophie Campbell. Um, and well, it was written by Kelly Thompson, but uh, Thompson and Campbell came up with the story together. And I mean, it's it's based on the '80s cartoon, um, so obviously, like we know, we have the framework for what we're getting into. And it's just, it's exact. It's you know, in some ways, it's exactly what you'd expect. It's just really bright, like pastel, like uh, crazy '80s hair and all sorts of. Even like captures the weirdness of the '80s cartoon when it introduces like synergy, which is you know the holographic computer built to be the ultimate audiovisual entertainment synthesizer. But it adds some substance to the story. Like uh, it really goes into some detail between um, the sisters' like relationship. Which, by the way, I have to say, Jerica is a, a horrible name for anyone. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like, oh, do you want a name or Jessica or Erica? Let's do both. Yeah, let's smash those two together. Um, but Jerrica and like Kimber, it adds like a really good dynamic between them, and then it starts building just like on the whole band. Like the first um, fifteen pages are almost completely devoted to just like the band, um, and then at the end of the issue, we get uh, Jerrica uh, turning into Gem, like discovering her father's lab and turning into Gem. But they do like update a little bit. They make like an Iron Man reference in there. So like it is updated, but they also keep it super eighties with like the pink and purple jukebox and um everyone's like makeup being very Bowie esque and crazy, like bright purple it's a very and blue hair. Gem comic, right? Uh yeah, very faithful. But um I don't know. I like seeing all these like franchises um being revived as comic books. I there's some that I haven't got to check out yet, like but they're doing a Galaxy Quest comic. Um, yes. Like, yeah, and then, of course, Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles have been um, going at IDW for a while now. So They also do Orphan Black. Yeah. So I, I just like seeing these yeah, adaptations and like, like seeing things like this come to life. Now I just need to convince someone to do a Captain Planet reboot, and I will be very happy. Captain Planet reboot. I be. I, I, I want I like a new grittier reboot of Captain Planet. That's what I want. <laughs> oh, uh, speaking of speaking of new gritty reboots, something I wanted to mention on the cast is uh, Archie Comics is publishing a Mega Man comic uh, over the last like, God, I think it's been running monthly over the last few months, and uh, they published four uh, episode or episode. God, I do it every week. every week uh, at least once, at least once. Uh, I think I've been good all the way until right now. Um, but they published issue forty seven, uh, and uh, it's been uh, a very kind of like interesting run. It's kind of like lighthearted, and it's Mega Man, and it's cartoony. And if you ever watched the like Mega Man TV show as a kid, or found it on YouTube. Uh, I guess is probably more reasonable a reference now, but it's the art is very faithful to kind of like that kind of late '90s Mega Man cartoon universe. But uh, Ian Flynn has been taking this in like a really like dark, like a pretty dark place. Like the robots, like say like don't turn me off, don't take my like identity spark and stuff. When like um, when like Mega Man absorbs their like identity to use their like powers and shit. There's some like really harrowing like panels earlier in the run with him like fighting off the robot masters and then like telling them that like it'll be okay guys like I'm gonna save your identity chip so that when you're when I'm done be- beating you we can bring you back as normal and they're like terrified of this I don't know um, it's it's been an interesting look at uh, at Mega Man so far and what a surprise Doctor Wily has betrayed some people so 
it will uh if if you have any interest in that uh another kind of like obscure Archie comics book that uh has been out i know uh i think the only last thing that we want to talk about was ryan uh you really enjoyed uh i zombie this week uh, right? yeah um we didn't get to talk about it last week when it debuted but the pilot was out last week and then this week we got the second episode which is brother can you spare a brain um it's from rob thomas he was the creator of veronica mars which is mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorite series ever um like i still support i went and saw the movie in theaters i buy the books it's fantastic um and it's based on the comic book uh the image comic i zombie from chris robertson and uh mike allred who is one of my favorite artists of all time he even does like the intro for the show like he created the intro for it which is really cool but it's it uses the comic as like loose it's loosely based and they've already said like they've already admitted like it's very loosely based on the comic like the main premise and the character um but they have also said like uh they don't want to introduce because in the comic there's a whole like monster world one of her best friends is a werewolf another one is a ghost and they said in the series they just are going to keep it just zombies is going is all that exists but so far the first two episodes have been fantastic it is so veronica mars-esque it's actually rob thompson and uh or rob thomas and uh Diane, oh, what the fuck is her name? Um, it's her name's like Diane. Fuck, Ruggiero, I think. Um, and she did Degrassi. Yeah, Diane <laughs> Ruggiero, right? Yep. So what is, I'm sorry. Dude, when you say she did Degrassi, what do you mean? I mean, she like did like she was like the main producer and writer for Degrassi: The Next Generation. Yes. for the for the first couple seasons yeah so let's so we obviously got the, support it <laughs> yeah so there's the guy who made veronica mars and then the chick who is totally all about degrassi next generation so um it's just a really witty well-written show with very charismatic characters like you fall in love with rose mciver like as as soon as you start watching the show and then um even like the character uh major who is her ex like fiance is just like super charismatic too and yeah robert buckley yeah does a great job yeah and so you just you instantly like the characters um and there's totally like the one-liners uh that you would expect from a rob thomas show for anyone who didn't like never watched veronica mars if you ever saw party down he also did that which was full of one-liners and an amazing ensemble cast as well um but i mean iZombie for me is just like more proof that like CW knows how to handle its fucking comic book shows. Yeah, I think it's, you know, uh, I mean, it's funny because like the CW comic book shows are really the ones that we kind of talk the most about, uh, I guess, aside from like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But it's nice to see them kind of pull from, you know, a, a good property that, you know, we know was already like uh, well-written, interesting and... I don't know, to, to kind of get, what were we, like two or three episodes in? Yeah, two episodes in. So uh, it's every Tuesday, and I think it's like 9 p.m. on the CW, depending on where you live. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, so if you have another show you want to watch on Tuesday, uh, Rose McIver really does just, like, knock it out of the park. So if anyone's not watching iZombie, please do so now. And also watch your own Flash because they're fucking fantastic. Yeah. Did you watch Flash this week, Kelsey? Catch up. I did, and of course they brought back Sweet Baby Cisco in the first like twenty seconds, like we said they would. Called it, um, but he still cries, and then it breaks my heart all over again. I know because Captain Cold gives frostbite to his 
weird brother. Um, dude, Wentworth <laughs> Miller is such a nerd. <laughs> that, dude choo- okay. that dude chews scenery like a fucking hungry hippo. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Can we literally just talk about it? Because I forgot to bring this up earlier, but... Was his accent like changing the entire time? I have no idea what was happening. Like, I didn't even a- feel like he had an accent. I just felt like he uh, he was like Captain Kirk impersonating, like just Literally. like. Like the last know. time he was on the show, he was talking like a normal person, and now he's like, "Well, everyone," and like literally just like flexing his fucking vocal cords, like they're going out of style. Like I and literally there, there was no idea. Way too many like. Like, there have not been that many puns about freezing things since fucking Batman <laughs> and Robin. <laughs> yes, it was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it pretty much happened the way we thought it would for everything. The only thing that I'm kind of, like, up in arms about right now, did you catch up on Arrow? Yeah. Okay, so the ending scene of this last episode that was on last night, question mark? Um, yeah, it was last night. yeah. Was fucking Maceo, like, holding an arrow, like, aiming towards Felicity. Oh, Felicity. And I'm the most upset. Although I know they're probably just going to do a Cisco thing and, like, barely miss her. Or she's going to get hit and then get saved. Because she can't there's no way that... Come on. Felicity. She's, like, 90% of, like, why people watch that show. So, come on. Come on. (laughs) You know better. the best. I love Felicity. Yeah. Hands down, the best character in that show. Also, just the first five minutes of that episode when they're at Diggle's wedding and she's like, oh, this is my plus one. And Diggle goes to like give him like the half hug and in his ear, he's <laughs> like, if you do anything to hurt her, they'll never find your body. <laughs> we all feel the same way, Dig. We all feel the same. <laughs> it's great because um, like Diggle's, Diggle and Felicity are like the two characters that – I mean, Diggle has fighting abilities. Felicity doesn't, but like Diggle doesn't have the same like expertise that like um, Oliver has, or you know, Roy is forever has like some of the super strength from the Mirakuru and everything. Um, but like, they do a great job at keeping him relevant in the show. Mm-hmm. I love that entire cast, honestly. Like, aside from Laurel, who I can take or leave, I don't care. But like everybody Agreed. else, I just really, really love. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think that, you know, it's like he says. Uh, the CW really has done a good job of capturing the comic book kind of like feel for their shows and have not tried to be like spinning the show into something that it's not, you know, it helps that they both also have like strong casts that oh, are yeah. doing a great job as like, you know, in the, the title characters as well as they both have some really, really strong supporting characters in the cast. So, you know, hopefully we'll get to see some more of uh, great TV shows. I guess all of our TV show recommends this, recommendations this week are from the CW. But... Yeah, can we also just for one second while we're talking about supporting cast on The Flash, Jesse L. Martin, who plays Joe, his like Stur- surrogate father i guess is like the word for that he's like the greatest i fucking love him in every single thing he's in and he honestly every single week just gets better and better on that show and i don't feel like we haven't said anything about him particularly so i just wanted to throw it out there uh apparently we lost ryan for a second no I come think. back to us no. uh, you know who knows what's actually going on here well ryan disappeared into the black vortex um yeah, so what the heck <laughs> but uh but yeah so like we said we really do love the cw show this week 
uh, Flash, Arrow, iZombie, all been fantastic. Guys, don't forget, uh, we've got uh, fully timestamped show notes now, so if you guys want to take a peek at any of the individual notes or anything, really, from the show, uh, you'll be able to find that down in the show notes below. Once again, we want to thank you guys so much for listening to Two Guys, A Girl, and A Comic Book Podcast. Again, I'll direct you guys, find us on iTunes. If you can, leave us a review there. We'd really appreciate it. Subscribe so you can get that uh, podcast right in your uh, inbox and iTunes as soon as it goes up live. Uh, Other than that, guys, thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you guys next week. To hear more of Two Guys, A Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast, or to share your thoughts and comic recommendations, follow us on Twitter at 2G1GTalkComics. That's the number 2G, the number 1G, Talk Comics. Or if you'd like to email the show directly, you can do so at TwoGuysAndAGirlTalkComics at gmail.com. All letters this time. As always, you can find more episodes of the show by visiting our Podbean at twoguysandagirltalkcomics.podbean.com. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you next time.